Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word comes from, yet everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Everything from mountaintop beauty and deep forest to meth heads and extreme prejudice. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet to the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed downright unbelievable and tormenting historical atrocities. They have lived through everything from hauntings to cryptic creatures that show up and wreak havoc on their homesteads. The worst creature, though, may be man himself. I, being born and raised in these Appalachian Mountains, know that nothing is beyond a pale of belief, no matter how fantastic it sounds. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has a long legacy of unending tales and adventures. Come with me as I take you on a fantastic journey through these mountains, where things are not always as they seem. I guarantee you it won't be anything like you expected. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Season 2 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy, how you doing, my good friends? Thank you again for stopping by today. It seems today that the weather patterns are changing. We all watch the news and the weather wreaking havoc on somebody somewhere nearly every day. In reality, and I've spent countless hours looking through many records to see for myself what exactly is different, only to find that there's really not much difference at all in the weather today as opposed to any other time in our weather records except for the year 1816, as we've already discussed in the episode 1800 and froze to death. I believe that the reason it looks that the weather is worse today than it used to be is because we now have access to 24-hour on-the-spot reporting. Events that would have in the past gone completely unnoticed by those outside of the ones suffering the said event are now covered extensively to the point that it leaves a good number of folks thinking that the weather just may be out to get them. While it's true that we had several big damaging hurricanes, several deadly tornado outbreaks in recent history, the fact that uh, remains that the most deadly powerful storms and tornadoes actually took place about a hundred or so years ago. Come on in and grab yourself a seat and let me tell you about the worst tornado outbreak to ever hit the Commonwealth of Virginia. Rycove is a small community that sits just off of Highway 23 in Scott County in southwest Virginia. Now, if you're looking at a map, Rycove pretty much sits by itself south of Big Stone Gap and just north of Gate City. In 1929, there was no radar 
and there was no weather forecast to speak of. There was no warning. In fact, most people thought that tornadoes just don't happen in the mountains. And for the most part, they was right. Folks went about their business every day and faced whatever hardship that was thrust upon them by the powers that were beyond their control. Today, we all have a hard time imagining how it would be if to be going about our daily life without so much as an inkling of an idea that we're staring down the barrel of something with the power of several atomic bombs sitting ready to pounce on us. But that's exactly what was happening on May 2nd, 1929 in our small Rye Cove community. On May 1st, weather patterns that presented themselves to come together with tragic results by creating a powerful storm front that would move across the country picking up steam as it went, which is a very rare thing to occur as it was. The first hint of trouble came about 8.15 p.m. as Moffat, Oklahoma was hit by an F2 tornado featuring four funnel clouds and injuring three. Now, as we said in the opening, not many outside of that region even knew about it. Ten minutes later, another one broke out in Jethro, Arkansas. And by 12.45 a.m. May 2nd, Arkansas had seen two more with the deaths of nine people and total destruction of an entire area called Rex. During Arkansas' battle with those twisters, Texas got their piece of one in Frankston when it leveled structures there. Not to be left out, Tennessee also dealt with their share of damage in Newport where things were tore up in Ebersville and they were left with extensive damage and two people dead. Then as the storm front rolled on with tornadoes breaking out in Ohio and even far south as Florida and west, north as West Virginia, the unusually violent storm roared up the narrow valley and struck the Rye Cove community at one o'clock in the afternoon on May 2nd, 1929. The schoolhouse, a seven room, two story building was smack dab in its path. It all happened with so much as a, not so much as a hint of a warning. The school principal, Floyd Noblin, was walking through the hall when he says, I saw what looked like a whirlwind coming up the holler there. He said trees were swaying and as it neared the school building, it turned in a black whirling massive cloud and it started heading toward the school. Mr. Noblin yelled for all to take cover as it tore into the building. Next thing he knew was that he was standing knee-deep in a pond 75 feet from where the school building stood. And as he looked toward the building, he came to the grim reality that it was completely demolished and it had happened in mere seconds. Jim Morrison was coming in with his truck and saw the tornado dip down into the valley. He watched it approach the school and he had three children in that school. His heart stood still as the tornado hit the school and tore the roof off, and then the building collapsed and was blown to bits. He rushed down to the school, and after frantically digging through the boards, he found his son, Kyle, nine years old, and dragged him out. He had a broken arm and a broken leg. The cyclone had hit just after the midday recess, and more than 150 students and teachers were still inside. The storm had uprooted trees, lifted the roofs off of buildings surrounding the school, and destroyed a spring house and a flour mill, and ripped J.B. Stone's store, located just down the street from the school, of every last thing it had, including groceries, tools, thread, and 
the entire building. A lumber pile near the school was picked up in the wind and furniture from a nearby house was blown four miles away. Debris was scattered all over the area a quarter mile wide and more than three miles long. William D. Smith, the superintendent of Scott County Schools, arrived at Rye Cove an hour after the twister hit. He soon found out that the only copy of the daily roll of the school for that day had been destroyed, so there was no way to account for the missing or injured or even dead students as the rain started falling and frantic parents started showing up at the school. High school teacher Elizabeth Richmond saw the building collapse with a huge smash just a few seconds after the wind started to blast it. There was no way in the world for anybody to have had a, even a chance to find cover or get out of the building and hide somewhere. And I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. With the rain now pouring, the rain still ripping, and not knowing if there might be another tornado bearing down on them at any second, folks who were able carried the dead and injured to nearby houses and barns. A great amount of confusion followed the tornado. Anxious fathers worked feverishly in the rains and the ruins, and with their anxiety for the safety of their children was only made worse because the many injured children had been hurriedly taken away before the parents had even arrived. Mrs. Mary Darnell, a mother of two girls, couldn't find out anything on the fate of her children for more than four hours after the storm. She broke down when told that one of her children, Bertha Mae Daniel, or Darnell, had died and the other, Hattie, couldn't even be found. About 15 children, the most seriously injured, were taken in ambulances to the Bristol uh, and Kingsport, while others were sent by car, trucks, and wagons to the nearest railroad station at Clinchport, where the train was converted into a movable hospital to take them to Bristol. Twenty-seven children were transported aboard the train. The scene on the train was pathetic. Many small boys and girls suffered in silence and remained calm despite their broken arms and legs. Some feebly attempted to carry on conversations with their attendants, and one small girl fainted from the pain of a broken leg and when placed in the ambulance. Identification tags were pinned to the children. 24-year-old first grade teacher and recent graduate of Radford State Teachers College, Mary Ava Carter was also found. Her body was 75 yards from the school. Folks, that's three quarters the length of a football field. The Red Cross took over relief work and the unit at Bristol was being reinforced from Washington and Cincinnati. Tetanus vaccines sent from Knoxville and nearby cities was administered to those suffering from lacerations. I don't know how many remember the fear of what we mountain folk called lockjaw, but that's what tetanus is. All available physicians and nurses at Bristol and Kingsport were also called into service. In the end, 12 students ranging in age from 6 to 18 were killed, along with teacher Mary Ava Carter. Nationally, a tornado outbreak killed 42 people and injured over 300 people. Today, an elementary school sits on the site where the Rye Cove School once stood. The fields around the school are dotted with a few houses and some grazing cattle, but 
it looks much the same as it did back in the when the worst tornado outbreak in the history hit Virginia, and it rolled on that day in 1929. The original school bell is mounted in a brick memorial there. The names of those who perished are listed on the plaque. I hope you enjoyed our story today, sad as it may be. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us, please. If you like even more episodes of both podcasts and access to the Deviant Report, which comes out as I collect enough stories to make an episode, which will be coming up here shortly. Consider becoming a subscriber for $1.99 a month. It includes the extra episodes of all three podcasts. Go over to anchor.fm and check it out, please. Please join us on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast, where we get into about anything you want to talk about, Appalachian or not. I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian murder mystery or legend. I'll see you then.